alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 201st annual Subliminal Perception Podcast. Your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody. I'm my pal, Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. It is warm enough for walking season again, so I've been enjoying that. Okay. You know, Yeah, it's 70s, 80s right now. Pretty, pretty nice, actually, considering probably a month ago there was 10 inches of snow on the ground. Okay. Yeah, we are at the at the very, very start of the staying inside season right now. <laughs> so it hasn't quite gotten over 100 degrees yet, but we've been teetering on that line. So it's, it's almost getting too hot to kind of go out and do outside stuff. I wanted to ask, get a kind of a feel for Arizona right now, because I did hear, although I'm not an avid watcher, that your beloved Phoenix Suns have been eliminated. Yes. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it last week. We were talking about basically how if they didn't step up their game, they were going to get knocked out. And they got knocked out in terrific, like Timberwolves-esque fashion. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so they uh, they got trounced quite badly. So Did it they? happens. You know, they fired the coach and everything. So who knows? Are you a fan of Black Mirror? I haven't watched it in quite a while i think the last episode had miley cyrus in it okay but yes i was a fan of that show they had a few good ones uh one of my favorite episodes was the the social credit yes was really good i was gonna say the new season is coming and i've been told to catch up on it i wasn't a regular watcher so i've been trying to kind of mow through them um yeah social credit was really good i liked the play test one that one kind of fucked with me a little bit. Can you imagine? What was the playtest one? Okay, where he, it's like a horror game designer, and he's trying to make it so there's like a little plug in your head, and then you can kind of like, it like finds your worst fears, and then kind of displays them in front of you. Okay. Like in real <laughs> life. Scary. Yeah, and then... uh <laughs> It like keeps jumping back where the guy only experiences like a split second of it, but it makes it seem like it's hours of him experiencing the worst fears of his life. Okay, Jesus. Yeah. It sounds like a fucking, like a Boggart from Harry Potter on steroids. <laughs> it just, <laughs> if you're afraid of fucking spiders, there's just spiders right in front of you. Yeah. I don't, I'm not quite sure what mine would be. Um, Your worst fear. Probably driving yeah not i'm not afraid of driving i have a healthy respect for dying in a car accident especially living out here with all of these terrible drivers so uh speaking of that so on sunday i had to do a little driving right you know when there's just like that one day of the week and it just seems like every idiot gets in the car simultaneously 
or like maybe there's one idiot and then it's like infectious and then mm-hmm. everybody starts driving like an idiot. That was yeah. Sunday. Oh, okay. So basically one person drove like an asshole and everyone around them thought that they had a hall pass. Yeah. To also drive like an asshole. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It. I don't know if it's like one person sees another person do it and then they all kind of start doing it or I, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's weird. It's yeah. a weird phenomena. Okay. Yeah. Very much so. Hate, you know, terrible drivers. Um, I actually work very hard in my past, you know, to become a better driver, you know, pay attention a lot. I don't know. I was going to say, though, I'm not going to let you get away with not mentioning like what your uh, your bogart is, what your, <laughs> your buggered, what your fear is. I, I imagine, though, it's probably poltergeist. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that was freak me out. But honestly, if I think of one thing that freaks me out more than anything, it's heights. The Ooh. the I never forget when when I was up on the Sears Tower or Willis Tower um, and they have that glass walkway. I just yes. like I, I don't know. There's just like this fear monkey on my back and I just could not drag myself to stand over that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the glass walkways are a little weird. Even if I'm on like a third or fourth floor, I really I'm not a fan of walking on the glass walkways. I mean, obviously, you know, thousands of people cross them every single day, but it's just like that fucking bridge in Minneapolis. You know, how many millions of cars had passed over that thing before it collapsed? Right. It just takes one. Right. It's all it takes, man. It's, Yeah. uh, yeah, I don't... That bridge was only about 12 foot high, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> well, 12 feet over a, a river though. But I will say though, as long as I'm on stable ground and I'm like, I have something to hold on to, I'm fine with heights on a plane, you know, high building, all that stuff. I'm usually pretty fine. So. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, speaking of worse fears, do you want to get into this week's episode, Phil? Yes. Let's get into it. Now, once again, for this two-part series, we are discussing the legend of this strange phenomenon known as skinwalkers, which have gained popularity immensely in the past few decades, moving from little-known indigenous American myth to full-blown cryptid with national recognition and a very popular show on the History Channel, which is, of course, the most renowned and well-respected platform for all things cryptid. As many, if not most of our listeners know, on last week's first part episode of this series, we discussed the legends of skinwalkers and the dark witches who were supposedly transforming into these magical creatures, which you should also download and listen to directly after you listen to this. It's a it's a great companion series. But today, we are actually moving on into some more of the 20th century sightings and Heading to the biggest piece of the pie of all, the Sherman Ranch, otherwise known as Skinwalker and UFO Ranch. Okay, first thing, it's, you know, obviously this is a very popular uh, show on said History Channel. I haven't watched every single episode, I'll fully admit that, but it feels like it would be more par for the course if they either said, if the Skinwalkers in the series had SS outfits on if they said <laughs> Hitler created the skinwalkers or and they warned of an apocalypse. And the, yeah, the, in the Bible, it talked about skinwalkers <laughs> leading to the apocalypse. 
that feels yes. like a more History Channel esque show. Definitely, yeah. So when we when I was a kid, um, because we lived out on a farm and didn't have a satellite dish until I was about fourteen, we really didn't have like cable television. Uh, so when I first saw the History Channel was at my grandpa's house who lived in town, and it was pretty good. You know, I love history. I've always loved history. so ton of really good history stuff. Right around when I started getting, you know, when we had satellite TV dish network uh, at my house, that's kind of when the History Channel started going really into Hitler apocalypse Bible stuff. You know? Yeah, I, I my biggest memory is being fuck in my 20s and I would fall asleep with the History Channel on sometimes and you'd wake up and it'd always be like. Hitler's greatest war machines or Hitler this or Hitler that. And then it was those fucking Pawn Stars guys after yeah. that. I got to say, so when you go to sleep with the TV on, does whatever you're watching sometimes enter your dreams? No, not usually. Okay, that happens to me all the time. So whenever I would fall asleep with like the History Channel on, I would fall asleep with the news on when what was it maybe the russians were invading chechnya and have a lot of like weird war you know dreams that sort of <laughs> thing. so you know what it's a good dream if you dream about the chechnyans <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah mostly just me being run down by tanks but, yeah. so at the conclusion of last week's episode we left off discussing the long walk of the navajo and the subsequent witch hunt that followed thereafter in their return from their eastern New Mexico confinement. Now, after the end of those skinwalker persecutions in the 1870s, sporadic sightings of skinwalkers would continue to occur over the next century by both indigenous and non-indigenous residents of the Four Corners region, focusing mostly in the northeast of Arizona and somewhat in southeastern Utah and northwestern New Mexico, kind of the epicenter really that's pretty much like all of the navajo land is kind of in that four corners region the epicenter though would come in north of arizona around flagstaff really isn't that like fucking gulf country now yes it is so (laughs) it's also on the border of kind of where like the south western border i would say of kind of like all of the the navajo kind of reservation territory Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, they have a, they have a very large swath up in the corner of the state. I remember looking at the map when I was uh, when I was there. Um, I was gonna ask you, and I I forgot I was gonna tell you this off the air, but so I love watching last week tonight with John Oliver, right? And yep. I swear to God, whenever he has like some sort of a topic, um, usually you know bad stuff, he's always talking with people from there's clips of people from either Arizona or Texas. They seem to be the two like epicenters of corrupt business practices. (laughs) Oh, definitely. So it's, it's, yeah, it's where the laws are kind of like loose a little bit with the regulations. And Arizona is known as like the loosest States for regulations. Uh, I mean, a lot of it's going to change and starting to change now with the Californians that are moving it. Ah. So a lot of that's changing, but so the, I would say the big businessmen who have like moved out here and a lot of the big businesses that have kind of like set up shop have kind of put money into the government to like lessen some of that stuff. So like a lot of like the dumping and a lot of, you know, 
uh, union type, type activity has kind of been tampered down a bit because of like lack of regulation, I guess. So if you ever want to find like that kind of shit, you might find it here. I'm yeah. going to, uh, before we continue, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. And I genuinely mean this not sarcastically. So I know you're looking for pro- uh, a house or condo or whatever in Arizona. You should definitely watch the HOA episode of John Oliver. Cause oh, all- I've seen it. Oh, you have. Did you notice yeah. almost all those issues were either in Arizona or Texas? Yeah, you really cannot find a like a house out here unless you're on what's considered like a county island or county land uh-huh. you cannot find anywhere out here that doesn't have some sort of hoa yeah so, so. yeah then you know read the fine print before <laughs> you sign up oh, for anything definitely you don't technically own that home that's the thing it's yeah <laughs> you I don't know. at least get to make the decision surrounding that if you're if you're kind of kooky and you want a purple door you better read the fine print yeah bench. yeah because yeah, they're not having that. Not no. in their fucking neighborhood. If you want to pack a skinwalkers outside, they you ain't gonna be allowed to. They are a pack of skinwalkers. I don't know what you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> fucking assholes. It's just old people with no fucking time or no nothing to do with their time who wanna fucking have that little little taste of power. Yeah. You know. Exactly. That's all they want, that taste of power, <laughs> and you know they're cutting off the top for that money. Yeah. It ain't absolutely. going in, it ain't going into maintaining the bushes in the pool. No. Absolutely sure. not. Now throughout the years, stories of skinwalkers and skinwalker sightings would you know, alter, kind of evolve, begin to change right along with the demographics of the region with the early 20th century and late 19th century sightings really taking place either around or on the reservations with the victims of these creatures normally being attacked or as the stories go, I should say, normally being attacked while in their Hogan's, uh, which is basically the navajo word for kind of like the homes that they lived in while in their homes they would hear footsteps on the roof and tapping on the structure's front door kind of you know it sounded kind of like these creatures were trying to test to figure out how they could get in gotcha well i mean looking at the pictures here um i I guess at at least they don't have any windows for them to look through uh that's a plus but it would be very eerie if you're chilling in this Hogan and you just hear, you know, or something like that. Yeah, you're hearing little like pitter patter on the roof and yeah. you're hearing like, you know, kind of scratching or knocking at the door. Um, So kind of to tell you like what Cody was looking at, a Hogan was a hut usually made out of like wood and earth or kind of like a, you know, varying combinations of the two. Later Hogan's would be kind of like more, a little bit more styled like you know, oval kind of made out of wood early Hogan's would just be like kind of dirt that came out of the ground with a a hole dug in for like living area. They usually had a chimney in the center that would allow for the smoke from the fire to kind of, you know, swirl out of. So to, to ventilate. So the, if the skinwalkers are on the roof, I imagine they would have to have been a pretty nimble creature. Cause I, I mean, I don't know how much weight the top of these roofs can sustain. You know what I mean? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the stories about these, you know, creatures varies quite a bit. So, you know, no sighting of these are the exact same. Uh, but from all the stories that you hear, it pretty much the ability to jump really high, run really fast, that kind of stuff. They always seem to coincide with like being really agile. Okay. All right. Yeah, they'd have to be. I mean, some of them are almost a triangle. So, you know what I mean? So they'd have to, I don't know, maybe they can be a bird or something. I guess, and chill up there. Well, so the picture below, these are just examples of like the different types of them. I assume most of them looked like either the top right or bottom right hand corner kind of deal. Okay. Kind of either like circular, like flat on the top, uh, or maybe the later ones kind of had some wood surround, like more kind of like a a home like structure. I got to say though, Phil, for you not liking the heat, um, you would be barbecued in one of these if you have to spend a summer in there. Oh yeah, well I did read I didn't I did getting off the topic a little bit. I did do some reading on kind of, you know, the Navajo people and some of, you know, their living situation. They did apparently have winter and summer hogans that they they would, you know, they had two separate or multiple places that they lived. Um also Flagstaff kind of in that northeastern area of Arizona is a lot higher up. So in the higher elevation, they do get kind of a, a better climate than we have down here, gotcha. down in the fucking the heat box. Gotcha. So. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Living down here during the summer for these people, I mean, it would be fucking atrocious. I mean, <laughs> right now my car doesn't currently have AC in it. I need to go get it fixed. You and do. it is, it's getting a little toasty yeah. in that car. So. Yeah. I think that should be your weekend project. Oh, definitely. I'm seeing how long I can hold out. I think I might have hit my breaking. Um, (laughs) The other day during the afternoon, it was 100 degrees outside. I rolled down the windows as I was going down the street and the air coming in was even hotter than the air in my car. So (laughs) I've about hit the point of just paying the thousand dollars. So now these stories would act more as Navajo fairy tales, uh, just like I mentioned last week with warnings of dark witches acting as tricksters who would attack their victims by spreading corpse dust down the chimney holes. This would curse their victims either with illness or bad luck uh, in the process. Now, these attacks came after these dark witches had apparently tried to, in many of the stories, blackmail the family living inside, either for livestock or resources. Normally, this would occur while the victim was alone, with many of the victims in the story being either lone women or children. This went right along with the narratives of the fairy tales that we were talking about last weekend about skinwalkers, with the moral of the story being, never go it alone. These encounters would be known as skinwalkers on the roof, tales of the legend. Okay, kind of like Fiddler on the roof, but skinwalkers (laughs) on the roof. (laughs) exactly yeah <laughs> actually wasn't fiddler on the roof wasn't he trying to get children too or yeah I, i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure he's a pedophile yeah um <laughs> <laughs> i have only i've only ever heard of that from like parodies and other things so it's a great parody thing i guess <laughs> you know what i gotta say though corpse dust man if i mm-hmm. had a metal band i would name it corpse dust in a fucking heartbeat that is awesome yeah, that is actually a great name. It would be great to 
you know, get a license for that. And then basically if someone wants to buy it, they have to get it from you or make (laughs) t-shirts. I'm sure fucking Disney owns that word or something. Oh, definitely. I assume they own just everything that's ever been thought, you know, anytime any of their people had a a thought, they went out and fucking got a hundred year fucking license on it. Yeah, I, I can't wait till Disney finally creates their own private army. That'll be uh, that'll be an interesting day. It's definitely going to be child soldiers left behind children at their parks. For for sure. sure. Yeah, definitely. So I will say uh, corpse dust is one of the things. Um, Also, we're going to talk about it later on. But there's mention of graveyard like sod or grass kind of being used as a mark that or a marker that a skinwalker was there. So kind of a lot of things with the like the macabre, you know, revolving around. this. Yeah, yeah. Grave moss. Yeah, I've heard that before. Now, with the immigration of non-indigenous settlers to the region, ranches and farms would begin dotting the Four Corners regions, with stories of the skinwalkers evolving along with the region. These encounters would become known as skinwalker reveal stories, with ranchers both on and off the reservation encountering animals, either a strange-looking larger than usual predator, or possibly an animal attempting to fit in to the rancher's livestock. Okay, so the legend's kind of growing. It's not being just isolated to the Navajo regions, you're saying. It's kind of if there was settlers or whatever having farms around the reservation, they're experiencing it as well. Yeah, so definitely what kind of like what it seems like happened is there was like a cross-mingling of culture and also maybe some of these people were talking about strange animals or sightings that they were having. And some of these indigenous people who were living like nearby may have said, oh, you know what that is. Or it could be too, just like with, uh, you know, Sasquatch. It could have been natives trying to scare away settlers. That could, situation also kind of came to mind. Well, here's the thing yeah. we got to remember. You and I both grew up in Iowa. New yep. farmers... They, they're very prone to flights of fancy. Mm. Oh, yeah. Especially the ones who haven't had anything to do but fucking feed the cows and cut the corn down for 50 years. Yeah. Definitely. When they're looking at cow pussy all day long, I mean, <laughs> they go a little crazy. <laughs> I've been looking at Sally's tits for three years. Yeah. I need something else to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what happened before porn came to the internet. Okay, guys. I'm either going to eat her or sell her. Yeah. (laughs) I can't look at this cow anymore. (laughs) Now, the crux of these paranormal stories is the telling of a rancher hearing some kind of strange noise amongst their livestock, either while on the ranch or out on the range, you know, taking their livestock out. They would go off to investigate the disturbance only to find this strange creature, which we might call a skinwalker. Now, the great reveal in this story would be either that the creature who was acting like the livestock would stand upright on two legs and walk off, cackling as they skulked into the surrounding wilderness. This is much like the story from last week's episode where the gentleman had found a skinwalker with red human-like eyes amongst his sheep. Well, here's the thing. If this is true, that would be fucking terrifying. Oh, definitely. You would almost rather just see like a huge coyote look thing that stood up and ran off like a human. You would you yeah. would you would do that because you would think, oh, I'm just in shock. If you were just kind of hanging out and all sheep just stood up like that and fucking like walked away like a human, even if it didn't attack you, you'd be fucking terrified. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure these farmers would rather catch the old neighbor boy William Williams having sex with his livestock more than a fucking skinwalker. I was actually just about to say, imagine if the dude was just about to go fuck that sheep and yeah. then it stood up on two legs and walked away. Get away from my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> no, but here's what I'm kind of wondering. Maybe you'll go more into it, but if these skinwalkers are just kind of hanging out with the other livestock, like what is their goal? Are they going to eat the livestock eventually? Or are they just there to kind of terrorize the farmer? Do you know what I mean? Uh, not kind of unsure, really. Unsure. I mean, every okay. you got to remember, every story is kind of told by a different person. A lot yeah. of these stories are kind of passed down to yeah. um, a lot of the ones that I'm going to be talking about from Skin Rock Ranch. They, you know, the sightings they had, they were definitely there to kind of take livestock. So in, the, in that instance, all of the stories and also too, those stories are more contemporary. A lot of these stories might be from like the 19. 20s 30s 60s 70s that you might read about yeah. or you know they might have been claimed to have happened in the 80s but really they were first told in like the the 19 fucking tens passed down from grandpa to grandkid for three to you know yeah. two or three generations yeah so. and and this show is very knowledgeable about how that passing down of stories usually ends up a little bit twisted yeah in the case of Ranchers finding these amongst their livestock, either dressed as predator or dressed as prey. You got to remember, there isn't, with the alleged and the supposedly, there isn't just one of these things. It's not just like one walking around getting seen by all these people. Supposedly, there's like, this is actually a group of, you know, many groups of dark witches, I should say. So maybe one is looking for one thing. Maybe one is looking to, you know, steal the livestock. Maybe another is looking to attack the family. Who knows? That sort of. Thing. Gotcha. Okay. Or two, if they're just hiding amongst the sh amongst the sheep, kind of hanging out, they might be casing the house. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about think, that. Yeah, 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 that's true because they clearly were tormenting the people in the Hogans, right? So why not do the same for a a, a far a rancher? I should say. Yeah, but you also. So I'm going to get into it a little little bit later kind of the ideas behind the indigenous sightings and the non-indigenous sightings. You got to remember that there's a whole different background coming from those stories. So with a lot of the Native American kind of sightings coming along with what they already believe in and with the, you know, uh, the Western, the Anglo-American uh, people having these sightings with Western ideas about kind of like what they might be looking at. So, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because they're completely different. Like the the idea of the skinwalker kind of cackling as it, you know, laughing or smiling would never kind of come up in the Navajo stories of these things. But in the, you know, with the settlers who came in, that's kind of their idea is always that, oh, it's it's cackling, it's laughing at me kind of deal as it skulks away. Right. Yeah. Also, too, there's the idea that it can be killed. So it very there's a lot of differences. Very true. That is a good point. I didn't consider those. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, it's a whole fucking it's not just like one type of it's just like with Sasquatch. There's just every single person who's ever claimed to see one. That's how many it's completely different from what someone else has claimed that they have seen. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. Yeah, I suppose that's true. 
But I guess you're going to have more stories in this episode, right? Yep, just a few more stories before we get to the ranch. Okay. Well, I uh, I think I'll kind of amalgamize, if that's even a word, um, all these stories together and kind of, uh, I don't know, see what I think of them. Okay. Yeah. Just kind of throw them all in the washer, see what comes out yeah. after the spin cycle. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Now, the second of these great reveal Skinwalker stories is when the creature appears to be a larger-than-usual coyote, with the rancher giving chase on horseback, temporarily losing the creature until finally catching up to where the tracks end. Now, they expect to find an animal in this location, though they are amazed that there's no animal at all. Instead, there is an old man normally sitting on the ground, completely out of breath, but he is entirely in human form. So they initially see a massive wolf or coyote, and then, so is this leaning towards the skinwalkers don't have the stamina of the animal necessarily? Well, it's one of those things where if they're injured or if they're being run down by horses, eventually they kind of like either they lose their form or they're trying to hide. So they're trying to pretend like they were an old man the entire time. That's kind of like the crux of it. A smart move. So, it's a smart yeah. move. And you got to remember too, these aren't the same as the, the Navajo stories where these skinwalkers are almost like godlike creatures. Basically, these are kind of like cryptids that have flaws, just more, like more, more Western monsters, more human, like more, like you said, they can be killed type of thing. Yeah, like exactly. They're, they're the the Anglo-American version of skinwalkers can be killed. The Navajo ones cannot be. So okay. it's kind of like that. Okay. So like the Navajo is like Dick Cheney and the white people one, I guess, is like John Lennon. So Dick I, Cheney cannot yes. be killed. John <laughs> exactly. Lennon very clearly can be killed. So, okay, I got you. Cheney can be killed if you don't recharge his batteries, I imagine. <laughs> so if, if he goes a couple of days without a recharge, then I assume he he does. He died. Away I figured yeah. if he runs out of hearts, but maybe it's oh, okay. maybe he's went full cyborg now. Could be. I haven't seen him in a while. He could have an entire. <laughs> he could be like Nixon in Futurama. Yeah. Just a head <laughs> on top of a giant robot body. <laughs> now, the last of these types of encounters would come later on in the century and be most closely related to what are known most associated with Skinwalker sightings outside of what occurs at Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, with the changing landscape of the Four Corners region once again altering the sightings of this increasingly popular form of cryptid, with the sightings of Skinwalkers now coming from unsuspecting motorists, forming the Skinwalker-on-the-road type of encounter, with two major variations, the first and less common type, goes along with the earlier Great Reveal story, having a motorist accidentally run over or run into an animal while driving down the highway. Now, after stopping to check on their vehicle and the animal that they had just killed, the witness would not find said animal behind them or, you know, out on the side of the road. Instead, they would find an injured or deceased human. This would usually be in the form of an old man. Okay, yeah, these, this type of story, um... Definitely heard of. You can find fucking YouTube videos of this. 
Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, these, I mean, even today, these are all over fucking like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all that shit. Uh, it really does go along with what I was reading, what's known as beware of strange hitchhiker tales or fairy tales, whatever you want to call it. Kind of this idea that like when you're out on the road, you're in a lot of danger from, you know, strangers. I mean, let's be real, Phil. Serial killers kind of taught us. This is, yes. in fact, very true. <laughs> yes, definitely. I don't know if these Beware of Strange Hitchhiker tales were around during the Flower Child fucking 60s and 70s, but there were a lot of people who got murdered out on the yeah. back then. Yeah, so. because they were too damn trusting. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, it's and they didn't realize quite how many. No one. That's the funny thing. Like when the, when this shit happened, a lot of people just didn't talk about it. It's kind of that you you do meet a lot of the greatest generation type, you know, people from that generation who anytime there's any kind of bad news or something bad happened, they just they close their mouth and they just don't want to hear it. You know, they just don't want to hear it. <laughs> and a lot of that led to predators being able to just kind of go along with their business, you know. Yeah, very true, Phil. Very true. Yeah, Catholic Church survived for, what, fucking 1800 years pretty yeah. much on fucking... Hush. You know, people are just closing their mouths and not shit. So hush lip policy. Oh, definitely. Even like some of the older people who kind of confronted with what we're going to say it, the Catholic Church, you know, was doing to kids when confronted with that. They just didn't want to hear it. They just couldn't believe, you know, and they didn't want even when the, you know, there was proof of it and all that. They didn't want to hear any of it. They just wanted to, you know, just keep going along. Yeah. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Some people. It's hard for him to face reality in that uh, no matter who or where you are, there can be sick fuckers. Oh, definitely. Yeah. They just don't want to. It's just like if they found out monsters under the bed were real, you know, they would rather just go back to bed and not worry about the monster. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa. Don't be <laughs> saying that. The monster. Don't be saying that too loud, Phil. If there's young people here, we want them to be terrified of shit under their bed. So they're definitely there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we do live in a capital society, so <laughs> be scared, buy guns, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Buy bullets. <laughs> be be scared of um, not making enough money and then being homeless. Um, you know, the stuff you worry about in a capitalist society, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> now, the second and much more popular type of this skinwalker on the road kind of story is that a large, animalistic, human-looking creature, sometimes clothed in raggedy old clothes, either jeans or t-shirt, running alongside of a vehicle, smiling and laughing loudly as it matches speed with that vehicle, sometimes even tapping on the windows and running out in front of the motorist, possibly in an attempt to crash that vehicle. And I know what you're thinking. A crackhead. Yes, this could have been Regis Philbin. Okay. That was yes. my first guess. Number two is a crackhead. Number three was Brett Favre in that Levi's commercial. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, I just assumed Regis, because when I heard this description in my head, I just got a picture of Regis Philbin, like with his fake fucking like bright eyed smile, kind of on the TV with all that energy. I just imagined him. Here's so. the only wrench I'm going to throw in your theory is okay. I'm pretty sure even when Regis was born, he came out in a full tuxedo. Like he came oh, out of his mom's vagina in a full tuxedo. He has he doesn't even know what denim is. He refuses to wear it. 
Oh, I imagine. Definitely, yeah. Uh, he's always dressed to the fucking nine, so yeah. he's never going to be out on the road. No, but maybe, not. maybe he does have some, uh, you know, you know, running down the road attire. So true, very true. Maybe <laughs> he it, borrowed it from Jay Leno. It's a like, denim tuxedo. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's J- Jay Leno, the guy who doesn't know what anything else but fucking de- uh, doesn't know about anything but fucking denim, denim and cars. Two things that he loves a lot. So, yeah, that is true. Though I don't think he could get his chin actually like fully around that vehicle. I think he would bump the chin and then end up going ass over tea kettle. Yeah, if so. you if you hit somebody like this, see if there's a large like hill-shaped dent in it from where his chi- his chin hit the front of your car, then you'll know if it's Jay Leno or not. <laughs> a huge chin imprint. Yeah, yeah he- definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now, This type of encounter is considered to be a much more non-indigenous Anglo-American-styled story due to how the skinwalker, like I mentioned before, is laughing during the encounter. Also, there isn't much of a warning that comes with these stories. It doesn't have a lot of the don't be alone or don't travel alone type fables, though most of the time in these stories, the people who are in the vehicles are traveling alone. It's just kind of like one of these crazy, like, ooh, this could happen to you type story, rather than there not being like a moral to the story. Maybe the reason the skinwalker was laughing is if the driver had on like a Pauly Shore stand-up CD <laughs> and he couldn't control himself. No, but um, honestly, though, you even you have to admit, if you're like in the middle of nowhere where there's no street lights and shit and it's pitch black... Oh, yeah. It's eerie. And if you had any weird large creature or even saw fucking some dude standing on the side of the road, that would freak you out. Yeah. Anytime you're driving like out in rural areas, I remember I was driving from your house to mine, taking one of the gravel roads out by your house to get on Granger Road. As I was going down that gravel road, I saw in a ditch a pair of eyes look at me. And I was a little worried at first because I thought it might be a deer. And then I saw another 30 pair of eyes creep up onto the side of the ditch and then start running across the road. It was the biggest raccoon family that I had ever seen <laughs> in my entire life, which I, I did slow down and swerve, but I may have taken out about eight or nine of them. But it was quite, yeah, it was quite freaky when I saw those eyes. So the yeah. reflection back on you. So, you know, it's it's those types of things you just you never really see in the city Um, when you're younger living there. You know, obviously, I lived in the country. You did, too. Yeah. And you're kind of just driving in the middle of the night on gravel road. You're probably going to see some sort of critter eyes. Oh, definitely. Even being inside of your home, looking out the window out into the yard and just seeing like a deer or, you know, a raccoon or a possum or something like that. You just kind of see them out there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, we would know if there was a possum because my fucking insane, but yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's the weird thing. Like living in town, you don't see, if I saw a deer walking across like where my car is right now, I'd probably have to call fucking animal control, you know? Nah, it's, let it be. Fuck it. Out in the country, you just wouldn't do anything. Just be like, hey, get out of here. Be like, please. <laughs> I got to go to work. Get out of here. <laughs> please do not fucking dart in front of my car. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Tell your friends not to dart in front of my car. Now, one story that I had found, which somewhat combined the two of the Skinwalker on the Road 
archetypes was that of a man that had just left his shift at a local mine, traveling on the road at what he claimed was about 60 miles per hour. When the skinwalker ran up and alongside of his vehicle, it attempted to put his truck in the ditch. His passenger window was open at the time. He could hear the creature laughing as it ran alongside the vehicle. This was until the skinwalker made its final run to try to overtake the vehicle on the right-hand side of his truck. When the man would pull out a pistol and fired a bullet into the creature's left arm. After this, the creature turned and skulked back into the woods, not chasing him any longer. After he would get home, he would receive a phone call alerting him to the fact that his father was dying and that he needed to come see him right away. When he got into his father's bedside, he was told that his father had been shot in the arm and that it had went clean through, traveling into his lung, which would eventually kill his father. Um, are we sure this guy didn't just kill his dad? That's pretty much the story. Yeah, that's kind of why I told this because all the other ones were kind of all the same skinwalker runs alongside my vehicle laughs runs in front of me sometimes they go in the ditch sometimes they don't this one was kind of interesting because he had a gun uh and he killed the skinwalker so he shot it while kind of it was in a skinwalker form and it died in human form so but wouldn't that mean his dad was a skinwalker yes i believe that's the the crux of the story is his father was a skinwalker um okay i mean why was I mean, why would his dad want to veer him off the road? But I guess if you're a dark witch, you know, yeah. you might not be the nicest of guys. Possibly. No. Yeah. I, I have no idea. So when I when I read that it was the father, I kind of went back and reread it to make sure it wasn't like a father-in-law or a stepfather, someone who, you know, might not like him very much. But I mean, maybe the father was fucking with him, you know. That could be. I Yeah. I, I don't know. That would be if you found out your dad was a skinwalker. Um, I don't know. Be kind of weird. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> it's kind of one of those uh, one of those weird urban legends. Type yeah. Deal. yeah. You know, the big the big kind of like, ooh, and then it turned that blah, blah, blah. You know, hmm. interesting. They story. were they were calling from inside the house. Ooh, you know, that sort of right. So. <laughs> now, this story is vastly different from the Navajo stories for one main difference. And something I kind of already mentioned, the idea of being able to kill a skinwalker with a common bullet. This is unheard of in Navajo legends with really only non-indigenous people's stories having any sort of physical means to actually kill a skinwalker. Though the people of the Ute Nation did believe that you could kill one with a spear or arrowhead dipped in white ash, which may or may not need to have been blessed by a medicine man. I suppose this could also maybe include a bullet dipped in the the ceremonial white ash too. So, Is it just like run-of-the-mill ash, I assume? I don't know. Maybe it's, yeah, because most ash is white that you see. But it might be from like a special wood or something. I just kept seeing white ash kind of pop up over and over again. So I think it's kind of a nondescript. <laughs> nondescript ash. ash. Okay. That happens to be white. Okay. Yes. All right. We'll go with that. It works for me. Yeah. Now, speaking of the Ute beliefs, the Ute people believe that skinwalkers were actually set against them by the Navajo. 
beginning hundreds of years ago after war had erupted between their two people. These hostilities would come after years of cooperation between the two nations had ended, after which the Ute had begun raiding Navajo villages and supposedly also selling the Navajo POWs as slaves in markets in what is now known as New Mexico. Hostilities between the Ute and the Navajo would actually culminate with some Ute tribal war bands joining Kit Carson during the American Civil War, hunting down and rounding up any Navajo that they could find who had refused reservation life. This would end with, like we mentioned in last week's episode, the Navajo being sent on their long walk in 1864. Okay, so the Utes were the aggressors. Yes. So, I mean... Kind of like the description from what I read was that after the Ute had gained horses from the Spanish explorers, traders, you know, yeah, probably religious people too, they had gotten horses, they had been taught how to use them, and that gave them an advantage over the Navajo. And the Navajo being maybe the larger of the two groups, maybe they use that advantage to kind of like, you know, strike where the iron was hot, pretty much. So to me, it sounds like Okay, they were the aggressors, they attacked them, and then when they got misfortune afterwards, then all of a sudden it was must be the Navajo sending skinwalkers after them. Yeah, maybe it was some, some remorse or uh, yeah. guilt for past transgressions. Yeah, like I said, you know, if they were involved, obviously it's not one giant group deciding to send, you know, warriors to help Kit Carson. Right. It's, there's these different, you know, bands who are kind of, you know, have different leaders. But, I mean, if it could be kind of the idea. Also, too, from what I was reading, they've been plagued by this for like 15 generations, which is a, around 300 years. So it's not simply from the war bands joining Kit Carson to okay. send them to New Mexico. Sending anyone to New Mexico is a horrible crime, by the way. Like, yeah. worthy of its yeah. own skinwalker infestation, yeah. I think. Yeah. But it's basically like hundreds of years of hot. Also, too, kind of we were talking about horses. I actually watched something today that was kind of talking about, like, you know, how technology kind of, you know, affects war. Basically, when a group of people that has horses takes on a group of people that doesn't have horses, that's a huge advantage. Even like you see the mounted police officers, they claim that that's basically like having 10 officers is having one officer on horseback, like in yep. a crowd. I could so, see it. I could see it. Yeah. Um, if anybody, Very much get the fuck out of my way <laughs> mentality of that. Anybody who's so. watched the documentary True Lies, um, mm. The man Arnold on a horse is almost as good as a man on a crotch rocket. So, um, <laughs> yeah, keep that in mind. One Arnold on a horse equals one Arnold with a rocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, because of all of this, there is a longstanding belief that the Ute descendants are victims of a longstanding skinwalker curse plagued really to this day with these sightings occurring on one of their three reservations that the Ute mainly live on, this being the Unitaw or a reservation. It's not their main one, but it's the one that we're mainly going to talk about today. This is a small strip of land home to about 3,500 Ute tribal members. It lies far north of any Navajo territory in the Four Corners region, with the Unitaw or a reservation being located in eastern Utah. 
in Unitaw County, Utah. On the southern border of the Unitaw Array Reservation actually lies a small ranch which gained infamy after its owners, the Sherman family, decided to tell their story to a few Utah and one Las Vegas newspaper, gaining Skinwalker's international infamy which has only heated up since its publication in the late 1990s. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of what we all know. I would say boiling at this point. That is how much that shit has heated up. I think almost everybody, I mean, I assume everybody who listens to the show probably has heard of Skinwalker Ranch, at least. Oh, definitely. It's much like you, you talk a lot about Wendigo. I've heard a ton more about Skinwalkers in the last 10 years than I've ever heard. Wendigo. Yeah. I barely absolutely. have heard about Wendigo until you started talking about him when we were, you know, starting to do this podcast. So, so um, just one thing I want to clarify. Okay. So only the Navajo can become skinwalkers. The Ute cannot. Well, it's one of those deals where it's much larger, like in the Navajo kind of community. Okay. I don't know if the Ute can actually like make themselves into i imagine anyone can kind of if they do the rituals supposedly this is all you know this is all steeped in kind of myth and legend but i imagine even like just a you know couple of you know average fucking dudes like us could maybe turn into it if we did all the rituals you know okay all right yeah i don't think there's any racial kind of you know you don't need to be any certain kind of group to you know okay to actually turn into this or maybe be accused of turning into this. Okay. All right. We got your eye. We got our eyes on you, Dick Cheney. (laughs) God damn it. George Bush. Yeah. All right. Now all through the meat and veg, here comes the pudding bitches. All right. (laughs) Now before the Sherman ranch would hit the paranormal map, skinwalkers would actually enter the national conversation uh, slightly in the 1980s. When in June, 1987, the battered and mutilated body of a 40-year-old woman, Sarah Saganitso, would be found behind the Flagstaff Medical Center where she had worked as a housekeeper. Okay, so this is the first time I've heard of a a human being killed by an alleged skinwalker. Yeah, so I really, I found this uh, during the research for last week's topic. I decided to leave it out because the timeline, it kind of coincides right with when it starts to get popular. So it kind of goes right into Skinwalker Ranch becoming pop. Gotcha. Okay. Did they find who did this? I will talk about it uh, right now. Who allegedly may have done it. Uh, So Sarah, who was working the night shift at the time, was found deceased on a hillside just to the west of the hospital. After her body was found, a man by the name of George Abney a former English professor at Northern Arizona University claimed to his friends that he had been having visions or dreams possibly about a woman's murder. And this was long before Sarah's death later confessing to this murder, though he claimed confusion after the confession and actually like tried to recant it, believing that his visions may have been actually from God, though his defense attorneys would actually take a different tact when, you know, kind of going in the direction that they wanted to go, they would claim that Sarah had, in fact, been killed by a skinwalker. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's the best defense, to be honest with you. Uh, yep. <laughs> obviously, this is the guy here. Um, yep. 
just I, a just a ten out of ten for mugshot. Yeah, really. Yeah, With what you would think is like describe to me what a serial killer looks like who's not you know completely ugly. You'd be like, oh yeah, this guy. <laughs> he looks like the bad guy from a new Die Hard movie. Um, yes. Yep. So, uh, going off what he's saying here, I would say he might have a touch of the crazies. Yeah, a little bit, especially. So you hear kind of like where they where they pick. Uh, he was kind of he was like a graduate student. He they called him a professor. They've also called him kind of like a maybe an instructor. So he was you know formally working at NAU basically for two months after the murder. He was working at a hotel, the Ramada Inn. Uh, basically, kind of it maybe not hiding out, but it's not. He was less successful than his kind of his life was tracked to be at that point. So gotcha. I don't know. It kind of does sound like from what I know about true crime, he might have been, you know, not have a very good hold on things. Mm-hmm. Like schizophrenic or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He some kind of break. He had something wrong. So Abney's attorneys would claim that Sarah's ex-boyfriend was actually a member of a Navajo religion and that he had transformed himself into a skinwalker or believed that he was transforming into a skinwalker uh, with evidence being that she was found with a stick across her neck also she had had extensive bite marks all over her body and according to some of the kind of articles that i read uh, not really in that newspaper article that i found above uh, that one of her breasts had been cut off of her body the prosecutors put forth evidence that it was actually George Abney who had killed her, as they would cite his confession to the crime, also dental matching of the wounds to the bites all over Sarah's body. I mean, the dental yeah. <laughs> marks are pretty fucking damning. Actually, I was going to say the opposite. So if you listen to a lot of like true crime, small town murder, they talk about kind of this dental forensic, this evidence as being, you know, really bad. A lot of it kind of just, you know, hammed in there. Really? A bit. I mean, that's how they caught Ted Bundy. Um, so now you're saying that Ted Bundy didn't kill anybody, aren't you, Phil? No, I'm just kidding. Um, no. <laughs> it works. So the dental stuff works <laughs> if you have a shit ton of other evidence. The problem is all that they really had was a recanted confession and these this dental matching so so it's a weird case overall um do you what like okay i'm curious if he's convicted or not yeah this is just it's i mean this is really not important to skinwalker ranch it's just kind of this gained national attention and it kind of put skinwalkers on the map which is really the only reason why i'm talking to you know giving four paragraphs kind of to, to all of this uh, so the courts would actually not accept the idea of a jilted ex-skinwalker, you know, kind of on the rampage, taking out his revenge. This was even during the heights of the satanic panic. Also, the boyfriend had a solid alibi, actually being with some of his friends at a sweat lodge at the time. And George Abney would in fact be convicted of the murder. Though he would be acquitted just one year later, the case has actually remained cold and unsolved ever since. And this would be the last bit of attention that skinwalkers really received nationally until the mid-1990s, when, like I mentioned before, the Shermans would come forward with their strange tale from living two years on the ranch in question. Gotcha. Okay, that's... 
I'm guessing they overturned it or he got acquitted because of lack of evidence, maybe. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. But, okay, I mean, that's wild. I I mean, I'm guessing they were human bite marks on her, not an animal. Yeah, I mean, at least the, the thing about, like, a dental type situation, they would be able to figure out, like, you know, you hope. Yeah. If they were animal or human kind of bite marks. You also have to remember, though, it was the 1980s. They didn't even know what DNA was. Uh, you know, it was a lot of it was just kind of the situation where they would go and kind of open up a book of pictures for the victim and be like, hey, which person do you think it is? As they had their finger on someone's face. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It was a lot of like, we have a guy and we like him for. It. So could you help us out here? You know, <laughs> let's Very send this true. guy to the chair, whether he did it or not. Very true. So Very we need true. the taxpayers to sleep well at night. So basically, they we don't want people to think that a madman's loose. They should have just said that the boyfriend was a Satan worshiper and um, he would have been convicted. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they would have they would have let him go and fucking held a parade for this George Aberney guy. If yeah. they would have said, yeah, the, like we have proof that the jilted ex lover is a satanic worshiper, you know, fucking just tits and all all the fucking upside down crosses. He's That's it. It'd be done. He's got a Black Sabbath album. Get him. I was going to say, he listens to Metallica. Yeah. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> also, too, you got to remember, a jury is made up of 12 people who were not intelligent enough to get out of jury duty. Yeah. So there's also that. <laughs> now, originally, the site in question was homesteaded by the Myers family in 1905 who had originally built a few small buildings on the property. Uh, really, though, they would kind of pick up where the home was located. Uh, this is now within the area known as Skinwalker Ridge, and they would move it to the eastern portion of the grounds. Uh, with the second generation of Myers to live on the ranch, Kenneth John Myers and his wife, Edith Child Myers, they would actually occupy the ranch uh, from the middle of the 1930s, living on the property for 50 some odd years before leaving in 1987. The property would then sit empty for about seven years until the Sherman family would purchase the ranch from the Myers. Yeah, moving your house just a little bit to the left, um, not that weird for this time period. Um, oh, Definitely. The house, so the property that I lived on, the original house was in the backyard. They dug a hole, buried it, and used the timbers for the new house. Yeah. That's, you know, where it is now. So where my where my childhood home is, there's like a burnt down house underneath of it. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of what they yeah. did. Which is well, yeah, it's I mean, it's amazing how many of those old fucking you know ranch and farmhouses were basically the property's been lived in for you know lived on i should say for 200 years but the house has only been there for 40 and right. there's buried houses all dotted all over the property so so, so did the myers have experiences because they were there quite a long time oh okay so yeah getting into the myers family they really wouldn't ever report any strange or unusual activity on the ranch and I should also say that after claims about Skinwalker Ranch came out in the mid-1990s, they would claim publicly that they had never seen anything strange on the property, though 
they were going against kind of like what their neighbors were claiming at the time who were claiming to have seen all sorts of strange sightings with this area in Unita County being considered a real UFO hotspot with the first reported paranormal activity coming from Spanish explorers in the late 18th century. They had claimed to have seen flying crafts above their campfires while traveling through the area, trying to find a road. Really? Wow. Yes. I didn't know people were reporting them that long ago. Well, it's not exactly like they had a MUFON to report it to. True. They were just telling true. people that, like, while traveling area, they were seeing, like, strange, you know, flying things all above them. Anomalous crafts and whatever. Yes. Especially back then. I mean, it was at night. You know, these people, they did travel around a lot. So they were used to, you know, being outside. But back then, there's going to be nothing out there flying around. I mean, especially out in this region. This no. is, it's just, it's just you and the cacti out there pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? exactly. <laughs> yeah. They'd probably be pretty freaked out. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Especially Spanish, super Catholic. Yeah. You know, they're going to yeah. think the fucking world's ending. Demons yeah. are coming out. Yeah. Here. <laughs> now in the area, hundreds of UFO sightings have been reported throughout Unita County. So many that supposedly the highway patrol in the 1970s, decided just to stop taking written reports after they had spoken to witnesses that there were you know, so many. These UFO reported were of every sort. Oval, saucer, cigar, and triangle, with accounts sometimes accompanied by fireballs and cattle mutilations. Okay, yeah, the cattle mutilations I remember. Um, yeah. Very, that's still something I think is very weird. We might actually have to just do a full fucking episode on it one day, but um Oh, uh, we well we've talked about it so many times, yeah. We definitely it's could cover okay. It. So either the cops really did get this many reports or they you know, were like most cops in the seventies or maybe a little lazy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You listen to enough true crime too, you'll figure that out. Cops were kind of lazy back then, you know, they uh <laughs> they were more willing to just kind of round up any, you know, random kind of lagabouts than, you know, actually try to find who actually did something. Right. So Right, exactly. Anyone who anyone who they didn't want in town, they would, you know, round up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Now, after 7 years of abandonment, the Myers sold the ranch, like I mentioned before, to the Sherman family, Terry and Gwen Sherman, along with their two children who would move into the home with them. Now, after moving in, the Sherman family would find that the home was in a very strange state. There was, according to them, locks not only on all of the windows and doors, but also on all of the doors inside of the home with deadbolts actually being on both sides of every door. Also, there were locks on all of the cabinets. There was also, on either side of the home, wrought iron staked into the ground with chains coming off of it, as if they were there to hold large guard dogs tied up. Okay, th yeah, uh, that would be pretty fucking weird. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> if you like were going to an open house and you saw this, you might be like, um, can you tell me a little bit about the previous owners? Uh, were they the fucking Manson family? Like, what? Jesus Christ. 
Um, oh, yeah. If they had a basement, you would definitely assume that there would be fucking large bloodstains on the ground. Yeah. Just <laughs> from repeated fucking torture sessions. Uh, I will say, though, the first time I, I read this, I was thinking if you ever go in, like you were saying, to like an open house and you see locks on the cabinets, turn around and walk the fuck out of there. Yeah. Because they have poltergeist. So. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I thought you were going to say maybe like some somebody has trouble keeping out of the cupboards or something i don't know like <laughs> but a poltergeist they have a, they have a they have a chunky kid who goes and looks for the cookies <laughs> so okay this was abandoned for seven years then they bought it they didn't bother to look in the house before they purchased it i don't know it's one of those weird things it kind of sounds like they they just bought the house and moved in so maybe they saw all of this stuff and bought it anyway or uh it's they, they bought it from the same family, so it's not like they kind of like, you know, got it at auction or from the bank, so. I mean, were they they looked at the Zillow listing and they photoshopped out all the locks or what? I, I don't I know. I don't think that there was a Zillow <laughs> no, listing I, back in 1994. Honestly, though, a lot of like a lot of times when you like move cities and bought a house, before actually going to that city, you would kind of buy it like sight unseen. Like kind of like take the real estate's word, real estate person's word for kind of deal. That is a so, good, that is a very good point. Yeah. Just think about the, the great documentary problem child two, where basically the dad and the, uh, the little asshole basically move across country. And they, when they get to a house, they're kind of looking around like, saying how great it looks as if they had never seen pictures of it before. They just kind of bought it sight unseen. Well, I mean, to be fair, the worst thing in that guy's life was the fucking redheaded child that he tagged along with him. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's that's true. Ghost would be the <laughs> least of their worry. Honestly, he would probably trade that child's fucking temperament for a poltergeist any day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. At, yeah, I don't mind if sometimes the dishwasher soap is in a different cabinet. At least I'm not worried about this little bastard burning down the house. Right. <laughs> or putting fucking M80s in the toilet or whatever. <laughs> Killing the grandpa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the Shermans didn't really know like what to make of all of this. Though they claimed that their own paranormal experiences would start immediately after they had moved in with their first coming the day that they had actually kind of set up shop. There was actually a large coyote or possibly a huge wolf that had come onto their property and, according to them, had attempted to drag away one of their calves by the nose. The beast was trying to drag this calf through one of their cattle fences. Terry and his father would run to the scene and try to scare off the beast, though upon seeing the humans, it didn't run away, it didn't even let go of the calf's nose. Terry would even pull out a 357 Magnum and shoot the beast, though it still wouldn't release, finally letting go after another shot had hit it directly in its side. And 357 Magnum, that's a hell gun. of a fucking yeah, around. Yeah. That'll put that'll put you down. Yeah. So I mean you could probably maybe maybe even kill Dick Cheney with it. I don't know for sure. <laughs> um Here's the thing. Okay, first day they moved in, they already got calves there. Maybe the calves came before they moved in. But uh, well, apparently they moved all of their livestock and their stuff in the same time. So 
Okay, Beverly Hillbilly style, I guess. Um, <laughs> they just hooked up the trailers behind the trucks. Yeah, tied tied grandma to the roof. Um, yeah, this is a determined animal, I guess. If it will not let go unless it gets shot, you know, twice with his big fucking gun. So I'm trying to figure this out a little bit, kind of like what you said. Really, is kind of poignant for that. I'm trying to figure out how the Myers on this property, if this is all true. Trying to figure out how the Myers lived on this property, you know, since the 1930s, from the 30s all the way to the 80s, kind of without having like real big problems with these, you know, these creatures or kind of like the aliens and all that stuff. I'm starting to think that maybe the Myers just kind of expected a little spillage. Like every now and again, like a calf would go missing or a cow would show up like with holes in it and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's just like. It's uh, it comes with the territory. We're gonna have to let them kill one of our animals. Yeah, it's like kind of like what we were saying about people from like the Greatest Generation. They just kind of like, oh, I don't notice, you know. <laughs> if ever if they you ever hear stories about like people from that generation having ghosts in their house, they just live with it. You know, yeah. they don't. Yeah, <laughs> they don't run. They don't do anything. It's just like cabinet door slams shut. Oh, I didn't notice anything. I just keep walking. You know, no. that sort of deal. <laughs> I'll just have another old fashioned. It's fine. <laughs> Definitely. Another parliament, another old yeah. fashioned. Yeah. Shot a heroin that uh, I shouldn't have had for 20 years as been in the cabinet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. It's all good. <laughs> now, after releasing the calf, the large animal would look at the two men, turn around, and just kind of, you know, saunter off. Terry and his father would actually attempt to track down the beast. However, its paw marks in the ground would vanish after about an hour. After about a mile on the scene and in the tracks, there wasn't any sign of blood or hair or like dragging of the paws, anything. It just was unaffected by the bullets. Okay. That, I mean, I don't know if they really track it for a mile, maybe, but um, yeah, if it didn't have any blood, that'd be pretty strange because technically with this gun, it's fucking head should have maybe been exploded. Oh yeah. Well, if you hit, if you hit a wolf broadside with a 357 Magnum, it should have made a medium-sized hole one end and shh, like blasted out the other side. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where if you shot an animal twice with that gun and it just kind of trotted off, you just let it go. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Bye. You know, I'm not I'm not going out in the woods in your territory. No. Fucking with you out there. No, absolutely so. not. Absolutely not. Definitely. Now, another similar attack came when Terry Sherman would spot an animal resembling a 200-pound hyena with fiery red hair that stood straight up on its back and a very muscular physique, attacking one of his horses. After approaching the animal, Terry had claimed that it had vanished before his very eyes. When inspecting the horse, Terry noticed that there was claw and bite marks on its legs. The Sherman's neighbors would claim to see a similar animal racing through their pasture later that same year. That would be freaky. Um, And that would kind of lead towards the picture that you had, uh, you know, from last week where the skinwalker kind of looked like a hyena almost. Yes, I was actually about to bring that up. Uh, Definitely, you mentioned um, the fact that some of those pictures that we had, it looked more like Aina. And then I read this story, kind of doing my research this week. And I was like, holy shit, Cody did 
did mention that. So he claimed it kind of looked like a hyena. And from his description, it sounds just like the Lion King, which is where, you know, Disney cartoons is where I take all of my animal yeah. knowledge from. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, I mean, there's no better source. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. That would be. So this one just kind of just Chris Angel. Poof. It's gone. Yes. Apparently this one just gone. Just, you okay. know, according to kind of like the stories, this one just kind of went away. Didn't even try to run off. Just gone. All right. Well, I hope the horse is all right. Now, supposedly, I mean, from what it sounded like, the horse lived. So it just, you know, it had some some chewed up legs. Little scuff. Really. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, these sightings of strange animals would with Terry's wife, Edith Sherman, once apparently seen uh, a couple of dog or wolf like creatures while driving her car. Uh, other strange animalistic sightings would occur in the area with the Shermans and their neighbors claiming that they had seen like Sasquatches in the regions or animals that kind of looked like Sasquatches, large, hairy, you know, upright walking animals. Also, they would see large, strange looking birds that didn't look like they had any business being in the area. Uh, many of them having like bright and multicolored feathers. So I really don't know if there's like a, a zoo in the area, but I, from from what I've seen, it looked mostly like oil derricks and ranches in this area. <laughs> I was just going to say, did the Myers maybe have like a fucking black market circus animal ranch? Like, I these were all left behind? I don't know. Out in the woods? <laughs> yeah. I, these are all fucking Toucan Sams and fucking parakeets. And I don't, I don't know. If they had a hyena, a big ass dire wolf fucking tropical birds, it might make you wonder. They could have been breeding large dogs with wolves to make dire wolves, potentially. Could have. You know, I so far nothing's off the table in this story. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> we also we're, we're gonna talk about it later on. There's also an idea kind of of the of the portal. Skinwalkers yeah. kind of yeah. use like portals to get around. So like there's also that too. The strange thing about like you know, coming from a different dimension, some of these, some of these animals. But as long as like the skinwalkers, we've already talked about just wearing the skins of animals to kind of like show up as they are. So maybe, you know, they went down to the zoo and ripped a couple of parakeet feathers off or something like that. That could be very, yeah, that, that could be. Now, other than creatures, the Shermans would also claim to see numerous UFOs flying across and above their ranch. They would also claim that cattle would be killed on their property, sometimes horribly mutilated and burned, though there was never really any blood on or around the animal's wounds. Uh, some of these wounds would be large holes, having been burrowed in different parts of the cow's body. Sometimes the hole would come in the eye. Other times there would be large holes burrowed into the rectum of the animal. Some nights, the pastures would unexplainably light up, even though there wasn't any real source light in the area that could have caused this. Yeah, this is, see, this is um, some more of the territory that I think I've heard of, where it's like the UFOs, the, the cattle being mangled and mutilated, the fucking With weird no blood lights. Present. Yes, yeah. no blood present. The weird lights. I, wa I remember watching the... It was on Hulu. I don't know if it is still. It was like a Skinwalker documentary about 
when the crew kind of like moves there after the Shermans are gone. Yeah. And they have a lot of video of like weird lights and shit. Oh yeah, definitely. So, I mean, yeah, we'll, we're going to get into all of that. Like when they leave just after this sentence, but there's kind of, it's weird because all of the evidence is a lot of the research researchers who lived on the ranch after this family moved away. They claim to have seen a lot of stuff, but they never got any like really good like evidence. And apparently like the Skinwalker Ranch TV show is like full of a lot of okay or good supposed evidence, though it's also full of a lot of like malfunctioning equipment from whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> every episode is basically talking about something that broke in the middle of the night, you know. Yeah, I don't kind of History deal. Channel I think has lost a little bit of their credibility. <laughs> Over the years, um, but no, what are you talking about? <laughs> They're great, pawn stars. It's true, great. true. They've never lied at all, <laughs> definitely not. Now, the final event that would cause the family to come forward with all of their tales and think about moving out of that fucking place would come in 1996. One night, Terry would be walking with his dogs on the ranch. There happened to actually be a large blue orb appear above the woods near the home he actually sent his dogs after the wood you know go get them blue that sort of shit (laughs) he then heard coming from the woods three loud yelps uh, after which he heard nothing but silence the next morning he would look for his three loyal companions only to find their greasy lumps kind of just on the ground the earth around them was all scorched they had never seen or heard from the dogs ever again I okay. I remember this story now that you spoke about it. Um, yeah, I like. I, I don't. What do you even make of it? It's possible the dogs ran away or whatever, but the fact that you find three round greasy lumps, like they got fucking vaporized. I yeah, <laughs> fucking exactly. weird. All that was left was the the fat inside their body that melted into the earth. So that's, (laughs) I don't know it. I mean, it kind of sounds like a lot of different, like we talk about like UFO sightings, that situation. Also, I was kind of thinking maybe, you know, maybe that there was some rules that the Myers and whatever these things are kind of had like set it up and maybe whatever these things are, we're kind of thinking that, you know, these new owners are assholes. They're not following the rules. So they just outright killed the dogs, you know? kind of in my mind of like storytelling but yeah kind of how i'm thinking about it um so here's my question okay let's say you're a young man you're still at home you got you got your dog sasha right you yeah. see a floating blue light are you gonna be like go get it sasha get that blue light like why are you sending <laughs> your dogs after a mysterious blue light sasha was a four pound pekingese chihuahua yeah, I'm not sending that thing. I'm not sending for anything. Uh, that was my childhood dog, yeah. by the way. But no, um, I imagine maybe not Shep. What was the dog that you guys had after Shep? Gus. Gus. I imagine Gus would go after. <laughs> yeah, but I think we would be like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't go after that weird ass bright blue light. <laughs> you would probably try to stop. Him, yeah, this. So yeah. I don't I don't know. It's we. If they were vaporized like that, do you think it was an alien thing? Because that seemed more like an alien thing. See, I think it's kind of weird. There's some people who think that like Sasquatches, aliens, 
cryptids, all of these things are kind of connected. I think that really maybe that it might be all connected. Kind of the idea that UFOs can make you think that you're looking at whatever they want you to think. So maybe the situation is the skinwalkers are aliens that kind of make themselves look like different animals or different things to kind of try to maybe scare you or trick you or or whatnot. Yeah, um, yeah, I could see that. It's, I think, almost like they're more kind of like interdimensional type, you know, weird. Uh, I'll mention it later on. They they talk about using like portals. So maybe it's something kind of like that. But I don't know. Uh, this sounds definitely a lot more like a UFO encounter like yeah. situation. Yeah, because they were melted and not like torn to shreds. Yes, if they had been, if it was a blue orb that was kind of, you know, maybe like a skinwalker and then it transformed into a bear that ripped the dog to shreds and now all that they found were shreds of dog, I would say skinwalker. But yeah, this sounds definitely more like a, a UFO situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, after this, the Shermans would sell their story to three different publications, the Salt Lake City, the Utah Deseret News, and later publishing in the weekly Las Vegas Mercury, the latter of which would actually gain the attention of a Nevada millionaire, Robert Bigelow, who would offer the family $200,000 for the property. Uh, this was even before they had a chance to put the home and ranch up on the market. The Sherman family would apparently jump at the opportunity to unload this property, also signing an NDA and making a promise to never again sell their story to another publication or television media program. So basically, they would stay silent about everything that had happened. Okay. I wonder if they're still under this. I have no idea. So I really didn't find any kind of like television interviews. So I assume maybe they are. But it's it's one of those weird things where you would think it would have to end by now. So Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's his, I don't I don't know. I know it's hard to Honest, say, but yeah, there isn't really, you'd never really hear about interviews or anything with these people. Oh yeah. And nowadays, if something like that happened, selling the property for a certain sum of money. Okay. Yeah, sure. We can do that. And then they say, also, I want you to sign an NDA. It's like, Ooh, you're going to have to pay me a lot more than just for the house. <laughs> you know, nowadays a lawyer would be like, no, no. Like if they're, you know, they have to pay for your silence. You know, right. It's not right. just free. Right. That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Bigelow was a UFO enthusiast and apparent millionaire research funder of the paranormal. He would go along to use the property for his own research firm, the National Institute of Discovery Science. Uh, they would research the ranch with very high tech equipment with direction from paranormal and scientific researchers. They had monitoring of the property and security for 24 hours a day, all the way up until 2004. This was when the Institute kind of dissolved and the, you know, it abandoned the property. Now the NIDS never actually found any concrete evidence of the paranormal phenomena happening on the location though it is claimed that whenever whenever anything would occur their equipment would supposedly suffer breakdowns and major malfunctions there are supposed eyewitnesses who claim that the, the people working there did see like weird happenings the same of which that the shermans had witnessed themselves so maybe 
the History Channel is in fact not lying, Phil. That there's all of these weird equipment breakdowns? Yeah, it is possible. It is yeah. possible. I mean, I guess if the... Whatever it is here, if it is aliens, I would assume they have at least some form of, form of intelligence that maybe they can circumvent their recording equipment. Possibly, yes. If it is, like we talk a lot about um, kind of like alien technologies, they have the ability to, whenever you take a picture of a UFO, it always comes out like blurry and shitty yeah. no matter how good the camera is. Yeah. So maybe there's some kind of, you know, what is it, you know, magnetic or radiation or something like that that's affecting things, EMP yeah. situation. Yeah. Some sort of advanced technology. Yeah, definitely. Something fucking things up. You're right. Um, the thing is, it's always funny whenever they have ad tangent here. Whenever they have ads for like ghost research shows or alien research shows, and they tell you like, oh, there's something really interesting that we found. You should stay tuned. For, stay tuned after the commercial. I always think like, if you guys ever did really find anything interesting, it would be on the news. Yeah, you know, if they ever found yeah. solid concrete proof of anything, that would have been on the news. And this would be a much bigger release of this episode than happening Wednesday at seven o'clock at night on the History yeah. Channel, so yeah. or the exactly. or the Travel Channel. Exactly. I always think back to the giant squid thing. That it's, shit hit the news immediately, and then there was like an actual special after the fact. You know, like six months afterwards. Oh yeah, that went from being like a one-hour episode of some show to being like huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So after the Institute would shutter, Bigelow would actually begin funding the project himself. Eventually, though, he would search for and find support from the United States government in 2007. This was when the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, the AATIP, would get on board. However, this would end in 2012 as it was seen as really just a huge waste of taxpayer money. I mean... The name of the program almost leads you to believe that they're trying to find some sort of alien something in the in this or some sort of UFO or something, right? Yeah, well, you could spin it to where it's like we're worried that China's going to, you know, the fifth generation fighter or something like that. But really, yes, you know, it it does kind of make you think like this would be the shadow organization in a sci fi movie that is capturing and shutting down the lovable pr protagonist alien. So, Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but when this program came there, like the government one, this is when it kind of went like pure black, right? Like nobody could hear or do anything on the property, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, they're the ones who, it wasn't only having security on the property, the property became secure after this. Yeah. So they, they shut down like the road going to it. And it was, is a big deal when they got on board. So, yeah. Okay. I remembered that part now. Yeah. So for a while there, it was kind of a shuttered site. So, okay. All right. Now what happened after 2012? Well, after 2012, so really you kind of can look at the time frame and be like, in 2007, the government had just a lot of money to throw away. Uh, this was before the housing crisis. And then, you know, it anything really uh, kind of got shut down. So a lot of these programs over the years would get kind of shut down. And this 
lasted probably a lot longer than it should have after the housing crisis. So in the years that followed, uh, the popularity for skinwalkers and the ranch would actually increase. This was because tons of documentaries and TV shows would actually be set up, you know, searching for the truth and trying to find evidence of skinwalkers, not only on Skinwalker Ranch, but there's just been there tons of locations where they've been looking for these skinwalkers. Yeah. You know, trying to find these supposed portals that are opening up. I there's one that uh someone I work with keeps talking about. It's like Frog Froglick Ranch or something like that. There's supposed to be like a portal underneath this ranch, which is where these skinwalkers are kind of like crawling out and the UFOs are flying out. So, well, maybe we will have to look into that one day. Um, I also know the Stardust Ranch, which we mm. definitely have to cover one day. Um, but I, I, well, we, we won't spoil, but I think that guy might be full of shit. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the, the things that we talk about, the people might be full of shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> very true. Um, I'm not, I'm not a, I gotta say, I love the idea thoughts and conclusions right now my conclusion is uh i would say i love it it's great you know it's great uh cryptid i'm not giving it much you know i think a lot of it is humans telling these which i you know i don't have any faith in so yeah um on the surface this is what i will say on the surface when you go from okay you got the myers nothing happens Sherman's move in there. Um, all this crazy shit happens. To me, I'm not doubting them necessarily, but I'm saying it has the feel of the Amityville horror in my mm. eyes. Okay, so that, you know, whole story, we've never covered it, but basically a tragic murder happens there. Guy kills his whole family. The... I think they're called DeVeos or something like that. Or maybe that was the killer. I don't know what the new family is called. They move in there. All of a sudden, it's like the worst fucking paranormal activity that you've ever heard in your life. For 30 days, they leave. Make all this money off of it. You got movies, books. Obviously, everybody knows the fucking story. And then everybody who's lived there ever since then, nothing has ever, (laughs) ever, ever happened. So... But this is a little different because there has been outsiders saying there's weird stuff that happens here. I don't know if I've... Some, s- Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I don't know, because a lot of the who either their funding or their paychecks depended on something happening. That is So I don't trust that. I don't like that. Um, also, the people, too, like their neighbors who kind of claimed that these same things were happening... Maybe they were also trying to get a lot more like on the dollar for their property, too. I mean, I don't know how much the Shermans initially paid for it, but maybe they made a profit by selling it to the millionaire guy. The thing is, is my everything I've heard about the Skinwalker Ranch, even taking the History Channel thing, the Hunt for the Skinwalker documentary that was on Hulu None of it is usually the evidence they have in what I've seen. None of it's ever the skinwalker stuff. It's always the like anomalous lights or the the strange noises, strange noises, like the typical stuff you see with like UFOs. That was been like 99% of the shit I have seen that they have videos of, of skinwalker ranch. Yeah. You, they have audio of like the 
screams in the distance or the, you know, what could be maybe balls of fire kind of out in the sky, like the strange lights, that sort of thing. It's never like, it's never the concrete stuff, you know? No, it's, no. It's, it's never. And then a lot of, we talked about it last week, a lot of the kind of like deer cam footage, I like to call it, of skinwalkers is always kind of this it looks wrong it doesn't look like it looks doesn't look like that creature belongs in the shot it looks like it was imposed kind of situation oh, or yeah. it was you know one animal's head put on a different animal's body maybe with a human kind of standing in to make the form that sort of situation yeah obviously the photo the evidence tampering with technology has gotten more elaborate and harder to tell. And with the introduction yeah. of like AI and stuff like that, it's going to get even worse. So, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. So you think, okay, let's just say any paranormal or UFO activity on this area, you're giving it a very low chance. I mean, Jesus, it's, I would say, here's the weird thing. The Myers lived on this farm either the first generation or the second generation from 19 about 10 to 1987 which is about 77 ish years it's a fucking that's a long time it's probably like to three be generations yeah um yeah there's probably multiple generations who were born they homesteaded in the 19 like tens i think and lived all the way up until 87 that's a long long fucking time to be living with these creatures in my mind the shermans living there for two years is about a year and six months too long so you might i mean any normal person even if you put your whole fucking nest egg into this place any normal person would probably be willing to take a loss after about six months of all this crazy yeah if you're let alone 80 years almost if your dog um get vaporized into puddles of goo I think it might be time to leave. Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, I mean, the the thing is, on the first day, they saw a large wolf try to drag away one. That's something that in this area you might just have to be used, you know, get used to. There's going to be a large, you know, predators out there trying to kill your animals. But if you shoot it twice and it just looks at you cross and then walks away, that's a freaky thing. Yeah. Also, yeah. the UFOs, the cattle mutilations, all of that stuff, you're going to be getting out of. Or wanting to get out of there. Yeah, here's the thing. Obviously, we've learned on the show. There's we we have to take people at their word, right? Especially when it's the 90s, and there's pretty much no way for the Shermans to have captured the stuff on camera um, mm. or produced evidence like that. Now, you know, obviously, Phil and I, we always, if there, you know, there's a gauge, we're always trying to think of the most rational thing. And in this scenario, I don't know. I, uh, this, the more I learn about this, the more I get like Amityville horror vibes, mm. but I don't want to call them liars because there is, I, to me, there is weird shit that goes on here. I just don't know if it's a skinwalker necessarily. Yeah. And it's funny because like the further back, you might think to yourself like, Oh, those people wouldn't lie. Like in, in a hundred years, they might look back to the 1990s and think, oh, those old timers, they wouldn't lie. Like we, you go back and you look at, you know, creature sightings back in like the 1600s 
for UFO sightings back in the 1950s and 40s. People lie. Many different reasons. You know, a lot of the, like a lot of the UFO people, you see video of them giving their stories out at the conventions, like in the 50s and 60s. A lot of them don't blink a lot. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got some little, little something going up in the head. So it's, you know, people lie for a lot of different reasons. And a lot of times, too, there could be, you know, a lot of the people who are telling these, you know, skinwalker stories might have just been told them by their grandparents or parents or aunts and uncles who were just fucking, you know, telling them a scary story to try to get them to not run off in the woods. But, you know, yeah, that's uh that is a very valid point, actually. I'm pretty sure yep. that's why there's lake monsters. Um, <laughs> Yep. To uh, keep people, dumb shit kids from going out there and drowning. Exactly. Yeah. But you know what? I don't know. That's our two cents. Hopefully we didn't ruffle too many feathers. But if uh, people want to give us their opinion on Skinwalkers or Skinwalker Ranch, where can they do that, Phil? Well, they can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Did not get quite as many emails on this as I thought we would. But uh, from what we did get... Uh, it was all great. You know, even the little companies out there trying to get us to market with them, you know, thanks for that. Uh, I, you know, not going to do it, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> you can also hit us up on our uh, Instagram account, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Probably an even better way to get a hold of us. Uh, we love all the messages, all the reels, everything. You know, Cody's always sending out those reels. Cody, why don't you tell them about your uh, your Instagram? Yeah, follow me at Cody's Above. If you want to enjoy some dark humor memes, with me on my story. I uh, I like to put them on there. Give me a follow. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who sent me a message as well. I greatly appreciate that. The last thing we ask you and Skinwalkers to do is to log on to iTunes, leave a show five-star review. doesn't particularly matter what you say. Just, um, I don't know, type in your favorite UFO color. I don't know. Just, uh, just do that. And thank you to everybody who's taking the time to do that for us. We greatly appreciate that. If you're a Spotify listener, it's even simpler you simply just hit five stars, hit submit, and it's all you got to do. It's really easy. iTunes, you should get your shit together. Uh, well, Phil, excellent two-parter. We, was, you know, this is a long time coming, three years, in fact, or four, whatever we're at now. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad we finally got to do Skinwalker slash Skinwalker Ranch. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>